0: Hope is born. Hope is born. Again, want to welcome you here tonight. Merry Christmas. On behalf of all of us here at Hope, we pray that you have a fantastic Christmas and we're so glad that you are here tonight. Hope is born. Hope is born. That's a powerful, radical statement when you think about it. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope isn't something that we can buy. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can conjure up by our own willpower to have more hope. It's not something that's purely based on our circumstances. It's something bigger than us. It's something that's got to come or something or someone that's got to come from the outside in and create that hope inside of us. We live on hope. You may not realize it, but you think about the human body was designed and craves food and water and cannot exist very long without food and water in the same way the human soul runs on hope. We cannot exist for very long without hope. Hope gets us up in the morning. It keeps us moving forward in the face of pain or difficulty or whatever you've experienced this past year. To have hope inside of you means that's not something you created yourself. That's got to come from something bigger than you. Hope believes that better days are ahead. Hope believes that what we're experiencing right now is not the end of the story. Hope believes that there is a solution, a fulfillment for the aches and the pains and the darkness that exists in our world and in the human heart. And what we celebrate tonight, and we join with not just the rest of our Hope family, but we join with millions of Christians all over the world is that we are celebrating that the angel's announcement that night is that hope is born, that hope is born and that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're the five o'clock service, so I gotta get some amens out of you tonight, all right? Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right, you've had all day to prepare for this. So hope is born and he has a name. I love how the apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He says this, may the God of hope, Notice it doesn't say the God who gives you a little boost. (laughs) It doesn't say the God who gives you a little warm, fuzzy feelings once a year on Christmas as you sing some songs. It says the God of hope, the God, not just the created hope, the God who is hope, that somehow we cannot experience true hope unless we know the God who is hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow not just have a little bit of hope tonight, that you would overflow like a fountain that's overflowing with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The invitation of Christmas is not just to open a few gifts or to come to worship and check that off your list and go home and and, and have some good food and maybe drink some eggnog. I don't know why people drink that stuff, but whatever your tradition is, that invitation of Christmas is so much more. It's to be filled and let the love of God you to overflowing through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring you that hope. That's how you receive that hope. That's why we go all out. That's why across all of our campuses, there are 35 services. That's why we go all out and and pull out all the stops to make this as crystal clear for you as possible. Hope is available for you tonight. It's why we do everything we do, strip it all away. Some people are like, oh, you know, Lutheran Church of Hope. It's that big church, and it's just all a big show. Number one, we're just not that good, right? And number two, God is that good, amen? Amen. And so that's why we do everything we do. There is no other person that is worthy of a party and a celebration like this except Jesus Christ, And so that's why we go all out and all the volunteers serving. First, I want to say praise God for all the wonderful, talented musicians and artists that we have here at Hope. Praise God for our worship team. Absolutely. You bet. They do a fantastic job leading us into God's presence. We worship God in a lot of different ways. Uh, Zoe is over here as well. She is a member of our student ministry, a high school student that is is a fantastic artist. We have so many students that are involved here at Hope Des Moines, and I basically just told her, you paint whatever God lays on your heart on this theme of hope tonight. And so she is going to be creating that the entire sermon. And so I'm just giving you permission. You've never experienced this from a pastor before. If this gets boring, you have full permission to just watch her the whole time, and you Worship through what she is creating as well. Thank you to all of our volunteers in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, our awesome production team, those that helped you get in here tonight from the parking lot and greeted you with treats and hot drinks and all of that stuff. There's no other reason than Jesus that we would go to that extent to make sure that this is a place of hope. And so I wanna ask you that question tonight. What does hope mean to you? If somebody were to ask you, are are you a hope-filled person Not like, are you happy? Are you a positive or optimistic person? Are you a hope-filled person? Where where are you at with that? What does hope mean to you? We we use that word a lot this time of year when we say, you know, I hope I get what I wanted for Christmas. Some of you are going to go home after this and open gifts or tomorrow morning or whatever that is. And you say, I hope I get what I wanted as well some of you on your way here tonight said I hope I don't get a speeding ticket because maybe you were running late uh, a little bit as well uh, with that and by the way if you are here and we have tons of young families with kids and if you hear a kid cry or scream or a parent have to get up with them you just praise God in your heart for them because a cry of a kid is the Christmas spirit that's what we're going to chalk it up to tonight all right and if you're a young parent like me that has young little kids I know that it is so challenging so challenging, not just to get to worship every single week, but especially on holidays like Christmas and Easter. And if you're here and your kids are clothed and you have your sanity a day before Christmas, give yourself a pat on the back and praise God for you. We are so glad that you are here. We're really glad that you're here. And it's not just the young families. We're glad that every single one of you are here. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, I'm glad you made it. Tell them that right now. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it. We, we use this word hope uh, for a lot of different things, don't we? This is not just the Christmas time of year. If you're a college football fan like me, it is bowl season, isn't it? And for those of you that are Cyclone fans, you have been hoping since the dawn of creation, <laughs> since the prophecies of old, for Iowa State to make it to an upper-tier bowl game. If you guys want proof that there is a God, Iowa State is in the Alamo Bowl, all right? <laughs> so pretty exciting. All right. We'll shout out for the seven Cyclone fans that are here tonight. Now, if you're like me and like the rest of us, you are a fan of God's team. We don't hope to win bowl games. We win bowl games, right? That's what we do. And we hope that we will beat the tar out of Mississippi State in a few days, right? As all good God-fearing Christians should believe, right? Right? But here's the thing, right? We hope for those things. And w- but when I say I hope or we say our hope that our team wins on Saturday or Sunday or Friday night or whatever you're cheering for, what we're really saying is it would be nice, right? And those hopes seem pretty trivial compared to the hopes that some of you brought in with you here tonight. Some of you are saying, I hope that my family can be together this Christmas for the first time in a long time. Others of you are hoping for a positive diagnosis. Some of you are hoping for a loved one to make it home for Christmas. Some of you are hoping for a positive pregnancy test. Some of you are just hoping for a job to pay the bills. You see, often we define hope as something that naive people have. The naive people have, the people that haven't lost their innocence of childhood somehow yet. That hope is somehow just for people who are having good luck in life, that good things have happened to them, and so they can be filled with hope. But you, you're more of a victim, and you're living in that mentality of all the things that have happened to you, and it's like, there's no way that I can have hope. That's precisely the kind of hope that you're being offered tonight. I'm not here to talk to you about wishful thinking or positive thoughts or being an optimist. I'm here tonight to talk to you about a hope that is deeper than anything that you have ever experienced and can live and exist in the midst of even the darkest storms of your life, It's a hope that will not disappoint and will last. Hebrews 6 talks about it this way. I love how the author of Hebrews says this. Let's read it together on the screen. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I don't know if you ever thought about what an anchor does or been on a boat with an anchor, but you don't see it. It's the things you can't see that make the most difference in your life. God is the anchor to our soul, Jesus Christ is the anchor to our soul. Just as an anchor on a boat, what does that do? It keeps you firm and confident and secure no matter what's going on above the surface. The storms that are raging in your life. There is an anchor that goes down to the deepest places of who you are. That no matter what you brought in here with you tonight, you can have hope. It can exist no matter what. That is the hope of Jesus. Not just for today, but for the future. And get this for eternity. Last time I checked, that's a really long time. Hope for eternity, and that's available to you, and you can know that hope tonight. Or maybe for you, if you're honest tonight, you would say, no, John, this is it. This is as good as it gets. Being with my family on Christmas, opening some gifts, having some good food, hoping the job goes well. This next year, have little glimpses of happiness along the way, and I can't tell you how many people that I've heard say, at the end of my life, I'll hope for the best. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be more than that. If that's you, though, if you're weary tonight, if you've been let down, if you've been disappointed a few too many times, you fit perfectly right into the Christmas story. Because several thousand years ago, that's exactly where God's people, the Jews, found themselves. And into a world of darkness and despair and hopelessness, that's where Jesus was born. But for years before that, they are under the the cruel Roman oppression, the the, the cruelty of, 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 of a king, of a pharaoh long ago in Egypt, and then now Caesar. And they've been under this oppression, and land's not their own. They've been in exile, and every year, generation after generation, they get their hopes up only to be disappointed again. I just described first century Palestine, but I also might have just described what's going on in your heart tonight. Because some of you are so tired of being disappointed. And there's somebody here tonight that's ready to give up hope. And that's why we say, we believe it's no accident that you're here. Because the God of the universe that created you, created you to live with hope. Not surviving, not getting by. But even if you're weary and lacking hope, there's hope for you. Even if life is taken out of you. See, it seems when we're young, think back to your childhood. For some of you, you are children, so be you. And for some of you, that was a long time ago. But think back. When you're young, it's easy to have hopes and dreams and to be filled with all sorts of joy. I was thinking about this, and the question that we ask our children a lot is, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? Because kids are just full of dreams, and, and the opportunities are limitless. The sky is the limit. And so uh, on a regular basis, I ask our five-year-old uh, Caleb, I ask him, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I, asked him, I ask him every week because, well, his answer changes every week, and so I asked him a couple weeks ago, and I said, buddy, what are you going to be when you grow up, as we were eating dinner, and it was his normal answer, I'm going to be a pastor like daddy, that's kind of the given, um, and he says, unprompted, and then he, this time he followed up, a pastor like daddy, and an astronaut, and then unprompted, the wheels are turning, I'm watching, I mean, this five-year-old goes, pastor, astronaut, I'm going to be a pastor-not, <laughs> And I am going to go tell the aliens about Jesus. And I said, you go, buddy. You go for it, right? Because here's the thing. Nobody's told him not to, right? Nobody's told him that you can't. And something that happens is that we get older, people start saying, no, you can't. You shouldn't. You should get a little bit more practical because you're a grown-up. And essentially what we're saying to each other is you should stop having hope. And it's not just as we go and as we grow up and become, you know, adults that we don't just lose our childlike dreams, we lose our ability to hope. Life can take it out of you, failures, mistakes, broken relationships, addictions, you have a bad experience or two at a church. And I guarantee in a room like tonight, especially on Christmas and Easter, there are people that are here because you're here and it's a tradition and you got drug here tonight and you're like, is it done yet? Because I'm so tired of the church. You've been hurt, and if that's you, I am so sorry. If you've had an experience with the church that is boring or irrelevant, I just wanna say that is a shame, because it is a shame to bore people with the greatest news in the world, in the history of the world. You deserve so much more, and if that's been the case, I am sorry. But don't give up hope. What little kid do we walk up to, right? And I know that life takes this out of us because you don't walk up to a little kid and say, hey, buddy, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they say, cynical. (laughs) Hey, little girl, what are you going to be when you grow up? Bitter at the church. We don't start with those hopes, but life takes it out of us, and we forget that it's hope that makes life worth living. And my prayer for you is that some point in the very new future, and I hope that it's tonight, or maybe in the next few days, in the quietness of your own heart, maybe it's after the kids are in bed or you're quiet in the stillness and the quietness, you hear that still, small voice, the God that created you, whisper, you know there's more. You know that there is so much more to what you're experiencing, and you don't have to just survive. You don't have to live bitter or cynical or jaded at the church or the God that created you. There's hope. There's hope for you, and maybe you've missed it, but right in the middle of the Christmas story, right into a world full of darkness and despair and hopelessness, hope is born, and that's we pick up Our story from Luke chapter 2. It's the angel's announcement to the shepherds that night. And let's read it nice and loud together as if we were there. And the shepherds need to hear us. Let's read it together. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And they go on to say, Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. To a world desperate for hope, the Messiah has finally come. And it's good news, as the angels say. Good news. Everybody say good news. good news. There's good news for you this Christmas. There's a reason there's so much joy and laughter and excitement in the room. And it has nothing to do with the circumstances of our lives. There are people that are leading you in worship tonight that I know their lives are difficult. There are people that are here clapping and dancing. Some of you are Lutheran, and I saw you dancing earlier. It's the Christmas spirit, right? It has nothing to do with our circumstances. There's a deeper hope, there's something deeper. And it's for all of us. It's good news. And we have received what we need the most. And that is a Savior. And if we've received a Savior, that means there's something that we need saving from. You see, we have a much deeper issue than just whether we're going to give up hope or not. We have a much deeper issue that cuts to the core of who we are are of the pain and the darkness in our lives, and it can't be overcome by government or passing more laws. That helps, but at the end of the day, it can't even be helped by living a healthy lifestyle or being an optimist. It's sin. It's life outside of God's design. It's running away from him, and it's the root cause of every lie and heartache and every act of terror and war and violence and abuse that some of you have experienced. You want nothing to do with God because you can't believe that he would allow something like fill-in-the-blank... To happen to you. The root cause of it is the sin and the darkness that lives in us. It's the root cause of every act of divisiveness in our nation and every personal struggle that some of you walked in here with tonight that you would be absolutely ashamed if you thought that somebody at church found out and you thought, I don't think I'd be welcome here anymore. Jesus came to the shepherds. If He came to the shepherds, He comes to you. And the worst part about this sin is that we're powerless. To overcome it. When I want to do something right, I can't. It's like I'm climbing up a ladder. It's like I I take two steps forward to take one step back, and I get a little bit farther only to crash back down again. I can't be the man or woman that I want to be. Have you ever experienced that, or is that just me? I think it's all of us. The Bible puts it this way, because of the sin and darkness that lives in our own lives, there's this separation between us and God. And for most of the Bible, most of the Old Testament, there's a separation between God who's seemingly up there and distant from us and we humans who are down here. And there's a separation because sinful people cannot live in the presence of a holy God. Some of you are like, geez, John, like lay it on us. It's Christmas. Come on, man. Right? What's with all the bad news? You can't really understand the good news that the angels brought that night unless you understand the bad news and the gravity of our situation. For there to be good news, there's gotta be bad news. And so for most of our story, God's up there and we're down here. And the long history of God's people is us climbing our way up to God in whatever way that we can. And it never ends well. Whether it's an actual ladder or a spiritual ladder of sorts, we'll never get there. Nobody can get there on their own. We are incapable of getting back to God on our own. Things don't go well when we try to do it on our own with ladders, like in very practical ways, especially this time of year. Some of you maybe have had these types of experiences where you fall off a ladder, you try to get up on your roof, you try to do your Christmas lights on your own. Things don't go well when we try to do it on our own with ladders. And nobody knows that better than our good friend, biblical hero, Clark W. Griswold. Let's take a look. It never gets old, does it? I've watched that movie a thousand times. What is wrong with me? It never gets old, right? It never goes well. And every time that Clark tries to add more lights, he continues to fall again and again. And in a strange way, that is the story of the Bible. Particularly the story of the Old Testament is God's people trying to climb up rung after rung of that ladder, but it's not to hang Christmas lights They would make sacrifices to God. They would set up temples and tents and try to offer a pure, spotless sacrifice to try to earn God's love, to earn his favor, to win the favor of God. But here's the thing. You can't earn something you already have. It's just given to you as a gift. And some of you are like, John, I would never do that. You know, I I would never put my hope in my own spiritual performance. I can't tell you how many times I hear good, well-intentioned Christians say, John, I try, but I'm not a very good Christian. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard that, and I want to look at them, I don't because I want to be kind somewhat as a pastor. There is no such thing as a good or bad Christian. You are either a sinner that has been saved by the grace of God that has nothing to do with your own works and your own righteousness, or you're not. There's no such thing as a good or bad Christian. And yet we do that. We strive. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to go to worship more. Maybe if I some of those weird people, I did like that touchdown dance that some people do in worship. You know, I even volunteer at the church or whatever it is. Right? Then I could earn God's love. And yet again, we're putting our hope in our own performance. We do this all the time. There's an incredible amount. If we can be honest, we live in a culture of performance. We live in a culture of striving. Are any of you exhausted? And it starts at a very young age. I can already feel the tug, the pull on our young kids to find their identity somewhere outside of the God that created them. Here's the thing. We're just a bunch of grown-up boys and girls that try to earn love through the next date, through the man or the woman that we find on the Internet through our next title or position or climbing the ladder or what house we live in or what car we drive or the money in our bank account or how many likes or followers we get on Facebook or Instagram. And the list goes on and on and on, striving, 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 climbing that ladder again and again. Most of us are exhausted. I need to be a better mom. I need to be a better spouse. I feel ugly and so I need to lose more and more weight. I need to get that raise. I need to break that addiction. I even need to push my kids up the ladder to get that scholarship so that I can feel better about myself and vicariously live through them. Oh, we would never say it, but it's who we are. They're all noble pursuits. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just that they'll never fill your soul. The reason that we lose hope is because we think that we're the ones that have to climb the ladder back up to a God that we're separated from. Reminds me of a story uh, when I was growing up, now that I have young kids myself, my parents are like bringing out all of these incriminating stories from my childhood somehow just to kind of throw it back and say, it's a little harder than it looks, this parenting thing, right? And so they tell me this story uh, a while back, I think I was three, like I didn't learn to walk that long before I was three, and my dad was out like climbing up on the roof, cleaning the gutters, I think he was, or doing something up on the roof, and he had this giant ladder, like taller than like 25-foot ladder, way up on the roof, and I guess the story goes that he turned his back for a little bit or something under a, behind a bush or the fence for a few minutes, and I was just playing in the yard, he thought, well like, hey, you give a toddler a ladder, what's he going to do, Right? Climb up it, right? So I'm headed up the ladder, and I climb all the way up, and I'm standing on Broad Street, in story City, the main street in Story City, Iowa, on the roof as a three-year-old of my entire house. And my dad turns around, and he's freaking out, and my mom comes out, and she goes, oh, dear. No, she didn't. She's freaking out as well, right? My kid's on the roof, a three-year-old, right? And the story goes that my dad goes up the ladder and grabs me and brings me back down and says, Jonathan, what were you thinking And the story goes, I said, I was just looking for daddy. To which my dad replied, Jonathan, I've been here the whole time and I've been looking for you. And that's what God is saying to a few of you tonight that feel like you're far away from God. I've been here the whole time You that are weary from climbing the ladder, and every time you failed and messed up, you thought too badly to come running back to the cross, your Father in heaven says, I've been there the whole time to catch you every single time that you have fallen, and I am looking for you. I am pursuing your heart tonight, and I love you with a love that is stronger than any other force in this universe. Some of you are saying, John, I've had a bad experience in the church. I've messed up. If you only knew what I'd done, God, I feel like I've let you down. And God says to you tonight, you have not let me down because you are never holding me up. I hold you up by my righteous right hand. Never forget that. You're not the strong one in this relationship. You're not the one that has to go climbing up the ladder because love has come down the ladder to you. And that is the good news of Christmas for you. Amen? That is the good news. Love has come to you. Hope has come to you so you can stop the striving. John's gospel puts it this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. The word is Jesus. And it goes on to say, in him was life and that life was the light of all humankind. And the true light that gives light to everyone was about to come into the world. Without Christmas, We're separated from God, frantically trying to climb and strive and be better. Without Christmas, we'd be left in the darkness, hoping for the light. But on that holy night, He came. Author and pastor John Orberg puts it this way I love this quote. He says, The problem with spending your whole life climbing the ladder is that you go right past Jesus for he's coming down. On that holy night, oh holy night, the light of the world came right down to you. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will never overcome it. I love how we can worship God in such a variety of ways. Zoe painting over here, one of our students, and Micah, another one of our Ignition High School students, worshiping God through her dance. Praise God for that. It was incredible. Awesome. Thank you, Micah. Further proof that if anybody tells you that teens are the future of the church, you say, absolutely not. They are the church right now. And we should lift them up and encourage them to be the church right now. (laughs) The truth is that the world needed a savior, and it got one. The world was dark, and it got a light. The world was hopeless, and hope was born. He came and hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And so what Christmas means is that the striving can cease, your performing can cease, you're trying to muster up hope on your own can cease because hope has come right down to you. Your, your, your efforts to overcome your own sin and what you're going to do, what your plan for the end of your life or death is, that can cease as well. You can know that you know, that you know. Some people have asked me, they come up before worship here at Hope Des Moines for Christmas, and they say, before the, before the light of the world was there, they say, John, did you forget something? Like, the manger's empty. Like, did you kind of forget the most important part? I'm like, no. He didn't stay a little sweet eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, right? He grew up. He became a man. That's why you guys got to come back next week. And the, I mean, we do this every week. It's called church. It's great. You should come back. The story just keeps getting better and better because this baby became a man who is our savior. And after loving people like they'd never been loved for three years, he took all of our sin and our guilt and our shame and our mistakes from the past and our fear and anxieties for the future, he took all of it and he nailed it to an old Roman cross and he took it there as he gave his life for us. And three days later, he rose again, winning an overwhelming victory over sin and death. Some people tell me, John, it seems like our nation, it seems like the world is falling apart and maybe it is but God is holding it together and when heaven came to earth that first Christmas night Jesus declared this is what my kingdom is about I'm here to put the world back together and the good news of the gospel is not that we get to wait around for an eternal church service in the sky someday the good news of the gospel is that heaven has come to earth and we get to join Jesus in the greatest mission ever of expanding his kingdom and loving people and serving people and changing lives forever and making heaven crowd and that's the good news of the gospel. Amen? That's why we do what we do. The manger is empty because Jesus has come to you and he is your savior. Jesus is putting it back together. We can have real hope. You can have hope when you know and you can know this tonight. There will be never be another day that you live, that you have to live without hope. There will never be another day where you are unloved because of what happened on Christmas. And you don't have to hope for a good ending, you've got one. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, He's the anchor to our souls. You can try to climb the ladder, but I got really good news. You guys, for those in Christ Jesus, there is no ladder. You can't earn something that you already have and it's given to you tonight. Today is born to you. Today is born to you, to you, shepherds. I mean, don't forget about the rest of the story. I mean, yeah, it's about Jesus, but the rest of the story is really good too. Jesus appears to the shepherds that night, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I mean, the fields nearby. I mean, think about you're driving to Colorado and you're in the middle of Nebraska, okay? That's where the shepherds were, I think. We're in the middle of Nebraska where you're driving and you're like, there's one tree, It's just out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, nothing's going to happen out here, right? Until God shows up. And and there he is. I mean, have you ever wondered why of all people did God show up to the shepherds? Some of you are like, yeah, baby Jesus, John, I've heard the whole story. Have you heard about the shepherds? This is the most random group of people that God could have ever showed up to. The shepherds were outcasts. They were misfits. They were certainly ungodly. They're the types of people that show up at a lot of churches, and most people kind of just look at them and go, Huh? Like, oh, yeah, there's us, you know, and then we love to have those people in our lives that are them, that don't look like us, talk like us, act like us, live where we do, believe what we do, vote like we do, and they're just those people. Those people were the shepherds. Most likely, they were robbers or thieves or outcasts that have been kicked outside the city limits, and the only job that they could get to make a living and save their lives was to be a measly shepherd they were ungodly certainly far from god and yet the angel says to them today is born to you shepherds and i'm looking at you tonight is born to you including anybody like you that has ever felt like you're on the outside looking in of this whole church thing it feels like everything i'm saying tonight is for the person next to you but it could never be could never be that hope for you it's for you been born to you. It's no wonder that later in Jesus' ministry, just like he came to the shepherds, he says, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the people that know that they don't have it all together. I didn't come for the people that walk into church and put their church face on. I came for the people that are walking in going, I need some hope. We had one guy a while back, we put these A-frame signs out here on the road, and the big word you can just read is hope. Right? These little sandwich board signs were like, I don't know if anybody's reading them or not. We had a guy walking here one morning like, hey, how'd you hear about us? He said, I saw, some, I saw hope on the sign. I thought, I could use me some of that. So here I am, right? God works in mysterious ways. And he shows up because we're in need of hope. A church after Jesus' own heart should look a lot more like a hospital for sinners than a museum for saints. Because Jesus came for the shepherds, the church should be the safest place in the world to not be okay, to show up and say, I'm a mess. Jesus showed up in a feeding trough for cattle and you think that your life is too messy for Jesus? You think you're gonna show up and have somebody at the church go, you did that last night? Well, welcome to Hope. This is the place. You screwed up the night before? Come here on Sunday morning. We'd love to have you. You're always welcome. Anybody is welcome. That's a church after Jesus' own heart. To say, I'm a mess. I've got issues. And with all the Christian love in your heart and the Christmas spirit, turn to your neighbor right now on either side and say, neighbor, you've got issues. Tell them that right now. You've got issues. folks i didn't say have a conversation I, i gave you one thing to say right some of you are seated by your spouse tonight and you're thinking that is the best christmas present i've got yet this year i've been waiting to say that for a long time right You've got issues. Don't overlook who Jesus came to. He came to the shepherds. And what does that mean for us? It means that he came to the people that I know have sat through one of our four Christmas Eve services that are in recovery for the third or fourth time. And they've just about given up hope. If Jesus came for the shepherds, he came for those of you that are battling cancer right now in our community and you're just about ready to give up hope. If Jesus came for the shepherds, (laughs) came for those of you that haven't been to church in a long time, He came for you. He came for those, the hundreds that come for our ministry called Breakfast Club every single Sunday morning. The hundreds that we feed breakfast to and welcome with open arms from under the bridges that we drive over and from street corners and homeless shelters. If Jesus came for the shepherd, he came for the dad who's on the brink of divorce and he came for the exhausted single parent that's here tonight. If Jesus came for the shepherds, he came, he's really good news for the eight and nine-year-old Refugee girls that live just up the block here in our community within walking distance of our church that have come from war-torn families, war-torn countries. They've seen their family members get shot right in front of them and here they land in the middle of December in Des Moines, Iowa and they make their way to a Lutheran church on Ingersoll Avenue for a program we have on Thursday nights called Whiz Kids, which is basically an after-school program where we feed them a meal that maybe they haven't gotten in over 24 hours and we tell them about Jesus and we read the Bible and we play games and we love them just as they are. It's for that 8- and 9-year-old girl that one night came walking down here and we heard a -a rat-a-tat-tat bang on our door because they had missed the bus and they walked in the cold without coats for over a mile to get here because we don't want to miss hope night, as they call it. Because there's a hope that's deeper than our circumstances. And I'm here tonight to tell you, if you think church is irrelevant, take a second look. Tell those girls that church is irrelevant. Tell those girls that church is boring. It could be anything but. Hope is for you. Hope has come for you. Take hold of it tonight. But the shepherds weren't the only ones that were part of the Christmas story. We forget Matthew's gospel tells us of this group called the Magi. These wise men from the east, from the orient as they're called. And thanks to the Magi, every little boy that's grown up in the church has had the opportunity to wear a bathrobe and a cardboard Burger King crown in church, and it's awesome. We don't know a lot about the Magi, but we know this. They were everything that the shepherds were not. They were royal, they were dignified, they were wealthy, they were well-to-do. By all the world's standards, life was good, and they were fine. And some of you tonight are like, John, that's me. That describes my life. I'm uh, Pastor John, cute analogy with the ladder and everything, but life is really good. Got a nice family, great kids. We're gonna go home and open presents after this. We're good, the job is good, it pays the bills. I'm fine, I am a strong, confident, independent adult. And that's fine, unless like the wise men, you know there's more. You know there's more than your bank account. You know there's more than your title and your position at work, and you know there's more than having a happy family. Those are all good things but they can't fill your soul. Why in the world would wise men travel thousands of miles through the desert and over mountains risking their life to go find a baby that doesn't mean anything? There's two ways you're going to walk out of here tonight. Completely changed or all of this is a lot to do for nothing. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian authors of all time, writers and professors, used to be an atheist, wanted nothing to do with Jesus in the church. He said this, And this fits right into the Christmas story. Jesus is either the greatest news that the world has ever heard and is life-changing, or it's nothing. The one thing that Jesus cannot be is lukewarm for you, is mediocre for you. You can't walk out of here tonight and say, well, that works for some people, but it doesn't work for others. If he's the savior of the world, he's the savior for every single one of us, including those of you that think you're fine. Because the danger to think you're fine is that you don't need to change. And that was the case, not just for the wise men, for a man that came walking in those doors you walked in a couple months ago and his name was Tim. And he came walking in with his family when I met him for the first time. But then after that, he disappeared. And as often happens, I see the wife and the kids, but I don't see the dad. And especially my heart breaks when I see kids that are at the age that are looking not for perfection, dad. They're looking for a man to look at that's going to show up and be present in their lives. Poof, he's gone. Because he's fine. He doesn't need church. And so he disappeared. And I didn't see him for a long time until this past August. We're down at our baptisms at the river event that we do every year. Down at Raccoon River. And we just say, anybody that wants to get baptized, we're not going to look for your resume, your spiritual resume. We're just going to come on down and find new life in Jesus Christ. And up walks Tim. Now, I'd seen him a couple weekends before coming to worship. And I'm like, Tim, I didn't expect to see you here. And he said, well, this is the last place that I thought I would be. And I said, what's been going on? And he said, well, I decided to come and check it out. I've been thinking about my life, and I'm kind of halfway there, and I'm thinking, is any of this going to matter after I'm gone? And I'm feeling like there's just got to be more. His word's not mine. And then again, his word's not mine. It's like God surprised me. <laughs> I thought this whole church thing would be so Irrelevant and it couldn't be more relevant. He said, I'll be honest with you. I thought church was really boring and I got a lot of better things to do. I thought church would be really boring and I have to tell you, Pastor John, your sermon wasn't that boring. And I said, I'll take that. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you, Tim. And then he said this just the last couple weeks I've been looking around at all these people. And the way the things I've been putting my hope in for most of my life, they're just not cutting it anymore. I'm empty. I've got it all, and I'm empty. Tim, you're climbing the ladder, brother, and it's futile. You're climbing the ladder, and it leaves you unfulfilled. And he said, I want more, and I want to be baptized. And I said, Well, you came to the right place, brother, for a fresh start. No questions asked. And a half an hour later, we're down standing waist deep in the Raccoon River. goo, And I am baptizing Tim into new life in Christ. And there's those moments in ministry where you go, this is why we do what we do. Because Jesus came for those of you tonight that are fine. And they're going to walk out of here tonight and say, well, that was cute. He came for you to surprise you, and maybe the God of the universe wants to surprise you, and you don't have to leave here tonight fine. You don't have to leave here tonight angry at the church for something that happened to you or thinking that it's boring or irrelevant. Check it out. Come and see. Come and learn the rest of the story. Come and learn why the manger is empty. This good news is for you. Take hold of it. Take hold of it. You can be enough. Maybe it's time to give church a second look. Maybe it's time to give Christmas a second look. Maybe it's time to give Christianity a second look. Do you ever wonder what it would have been like to be one of the shepherds that night? Not just to sing the songs and eat the Christmas cookies, but no, i am like to be there, you guys. And to maybe be one of those shepherds that walked into the manger that night and saw the God of the universe dependent on a teenage girl. And maybe, just maybe, to be one of the shepherds that could touch and hold the God that created you with your own hands. He came for you. Take a look. People must know. You've got to know tonight. I love Christmas. I love Easter. I love big crowds at Hope. But if I could... I would sit down with each of you individually and look you in the eyes and say, You gotta know. This hope is for you. This hope is for you. And maybe you came here tonight just because it's a family tradition and you didn't wanna come or you got drugged here and you're like, Is it over yet? It's still for you. In your apathy and your irrelevance and your boring and your, I could never be good enough. It's still for you, and it will continue to be for you. And I pray that there's that moment when you hear that voice and you respond to it. Because you can keep going through the motions, or you can hear that voice say, there's more, and it's that baby in a manger that has come for you. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Today is the day. Don't wait another day. Don't wait till Easter. It's Christmas. This is, this is it. Today is the day. He is the hope. Now is the time. Take hold of this hope. Receive it tonight. And let it all the way in. There'll never be a day that you have to live unloved or without hope. Believe it. Receive it tonight. Let the light of the world shine into your darkness we don't get to just talk about the light shining in our darkness tonight. We get to experience it right in front of you the way the baby came that night. And so at this time, I'll invite our ushers forward, and you can reach under your chair and grab that candle and take that out. If you need one, the ushers will get one for you. And as you take that candle, the ushers will light the end of the row. And as you pass it down, please tilt the unlit candle. And you can push up the candle a little bit if you need to. And know that it as that candle is lit for you tonight, it's the light of God's love shining in the darkness for you. It's for you. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. In fact, It's the darkness where the light shines the best. Jesus is the light of the world and he invites us as his church to love the unlovable, to forgive those that have hurt us, to serve those in need, to shine our light into a dark world. And as that light spreads throughout the worship center upstairs and downstairs tonight, may you know that that's how God loves to spread his love One person, one relationship, one heart at a time. And as we sing this old, old hymn, I pray it would be so much more than a tradition for you tonight. There would be so much more than words on a screen, but that you would sense the light of God's love right in front of you tonight. Let's worship as we sing together, Silent Night, Holy Night.